Aluta Continua, Miriam Makeba, Mama Miriam Makeba. And the spotlight this evening on our South African legends is on Mzwakembuli, the people's poet. And for those, I mean, we all know him, but trust me, most of us don't know the half of this man the half of it i mean he's been around and he's been an icon and he has faced his struggles just you know thinking that he's been arrested more than eight times in his life if not more refused a passport 39 times and still his spirit not broken but the history behind Mzwakimbuli for me um says a lot about the legend we're about to talk to. Good evening and welcome to the show. Uh, good evening, good evening, uh, SAFM listeners and uh, producers. And uh, is that Bertha, I believe? Yes, it is Bertha uh, that you're yeah, talking Jaroma, to. Yes, yes. yes. And, uh, and thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for making time for us. I mean, I was just looking at, at your biography and where you started, where you've been, what you've done. And a lot of us just know you from the surface and not read. We don't we don't even scrape the, the half of it. Now, I want to start right at the beginning, right at the beginning. What what triggered the work that you do? I am a I, I was I think I should say. I was born with a questioning mind. I know everybody can question things, but you know, um, not some people have got eyes, but they don't see. Or others become what I call a human ostrich and, and turn the other way your blind eye. And when I was born, um, my family was demolished and, and uh, removed, forcefully evicted from Sophia Town. I was a baby, an infant, I could not fight. The furniture of my family was destroyed, everything destroyed, no compensation. And when you grow up and knowing that from there we stayed in Midlands, Zone 10, then Soweto Zola 1, Soweto Zola 2, Soweto Zola 3, until Zola, until MDN South. Now, Oh, I think our, our line just dropped there. And we're speaking to Mzwakembuli, the people's poet. So, I mean, during the Soweto uprising, which occurred on the 16th of June, 1976, it was a very, very formative experience for young Sorry, let's shame, we'll, we'll shame the devil. Yes, Yeah, so I'm, I'm just giving you a picture that I grew up uh, seeing, looking around me and uh, questioning. I'm not saying I was supposed to be in a situation where I was supposed to be surrounded with roses in a beautiful flower garden, but something was not right when I looked around my environment. Mm. Yeah. And come the Soweto uprising, which occurred 16 June yeah. 1976. Yeah. You were well, a conscious, uh, I'm, not, I'm, not so, I'm not so sure, should I call it a young adult or still yeah. a boy? Which, which, which one is it? It was militant. Um... I was militant. You know that there was something called Soweto SSRC, so the Student Representative Council, and every school had two representatives. My school was represented by Wilson Chief Twilight Late and uh, 
um, and the, the late as well, Tebuch Mgomezul. So, yeah, and then other schools as well. And uh, one was doing a lot of mobilization. I think you, you, the two people would not have mobilized the whole school. So it took people like myself to become rebel rousers and uh, um, until the, the fateful, uh, you know, a day. But I, I mean, people should know that uh, drama started at an already high, even when the police car was banned. Yeah, so maybe that could be a couple of days before the 16th of June. But already by then, I had mastered another art of a Molotov. So you call it petrol bomb. So, yeah, but uh, your next question. Mm. You called this this period God's miracle. Why? This one or that period? That Well, it could be this one. I, I'm not so sure why, why that came yeah. up. Uh, I think, look, we had parents who had given up. You had, you had people who were saying the leadership, whether Sobuku or Mandela, all of them were in prison, others in exile. So it was a phase of a generation that was just leading, but it, it happened to be in exile and organizations banned, PSCANC, all of them. And then there was, you know, call it a polarization. Fortunately, you know, in Zulu, you use the term, when, you know, when parents were not aware that something was capping up or brooming, brewing yeah, you talk of a bomb fermenting that uh, you know um they they thought they were defeated and the enemy thought uh, the oppressed were defeated they, it was going to take them a very long time when these guys were sentenced to life in prison so they thought it was they were focusing on the mandelas and people in exile so and all of them not knowing that actually something was coming their way and the the, the miracle period it's that no one could see. They did not know whether the apartheid government had intelligence. That it was zero. They could not pick it up. They, they, could, they did not see it coming. That uh, by the fact that God had to use, allow them to use something that was going to provoke us and say now Africans was going to become the medium of instruction. Every revolution is a cultural revolution. So a, any language is a part of a people's culture. So they, they got it wrong. And we had to rise, and there was that uprising. Now, what is was very cruel is the fact that when they were told, the leaders that be authorities, that uh, students in Soweto were actually rising or taking to the streets, they did not order them to say, go use uh, water cannons, rubber bullets. It was just life ammunition. Mm. The cruelty of the apartheid regime. Life ammunition, R1 or R4, but live ammunition. And, and remember the age group, 13, 14, 13, 14, never. If you, you know the laws of a gun, if you are trained, you, you, you can only shoot when your life is in danger. The, 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 the apartheid government was not in danger. Killing and shooting a hosting group, 15 years, Hector Peterson, 13 years. I mean, look, there was no threat, but they were coward. They were afraid. Yeah. And let's touch on you were a political prisoner so many times. Mm. Yes. Solitary confinement. Mm. How was that like for you? Yeah. Look, that's uh, very. Uh, I will say something people have never heard, like you told them. I was placed at Jablani Police Station. There were what is rodents, Makundwa. I, I was placed at the Morocco Police Station. I was placed at Protea headquarters of the security branch. I was placed at Midlands Police Station. I was placed at Orlando State uh, 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 Police Station. 
it's like police had to make sure that I'm placed in various politicians in Soweto. So when you talk of Soweto, you talk of a tour. This was not a tour. It's it, it the security branch that makes sure that Mzwake must be placed in Orlando, Mzwake must be placed in Morocco. Must... So, and again, remember, there was a law in South Africa that if you are a political detainee, the handcuffs are not in front, but you are handcuffed at the back, and they put leg irons. So I was, I know with women, they go to gynecologists and strip. I was always obvious on my underwears. So it was humiliating. And it was obvious, I'm told, they'll say long fat. Whatever they, I think, whether these things were meant, I know that I was told if the most people who are, who are best in terms of torturing, they learned to torture in Israel. But I'm, I'm talking about this one. I, in, at John Foster Square, um, it's, I think my book is coming this year. The, at John Foster Square, the most unpopular place was the 10th floor. I was placed on Ahmed Timot, it's 10th floor. I was placed next to the window. I think it's, I will always give God the glory. Uh, the Boers grabbed me. I will face the other way around. If you have my back, you know. So I was about to be pushed at one stage. But they will speak in Afrikaans, Munivat, Munivat, whatever they said, wait a little bit, etc. But I was on the verge of being pushed down. Those are some of the things that happened to me. Your Protea was their headquarters. And then I was placed in Krugersdorp and Rodiport. And at that time, again, 1988, among others, was the worst torture of Mzokimbuli. So what do you saw? Mzwake? <laughs> it's okay, we can take a moment. Are you okay? Okay. We can, yeah, we, we can, can continue. continue. <clears throat> now yeah, you, you. So I'm just saying that. Uh, you, you, you've at got... some stage when I was tortured, mm. 1988 in particular, on my day of the release, I was transported back to, or maybe I should say, yeah, um, they placed me at the back of a, a a van. Now this was a week before my release. And uh, everybody knows the main reef road. If you talk of progress of Rudiport on the way to town, and then uh, they, there was nothing except the wheels, the matire ties, and then I was on leg irons. And then as they were driving that road, everybody knows it's steep up, steep downhill like that. So they will drive, stop, you know, pull, stop, make emergency brakes like that. When I went, I was take, they were taking me to a surgeon. Uh, because I was a procedure before you are released, you must be checked by a doctor. When we arrived there, my hands were swollen, both of them. And uh, the doctor wanted to find out what happened. And at some stage, he said, please take off the leave the arm. But he insisted I should take off my leg irons because they were armed. And I did that. And then they, 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 I told the doctor exactly what happened. And then they, they said, we are going to deny so they got the report because the doctor wrote exactly what happened, what I've said to him, then that this guy was okay when we picked him up, at the, you know. But now this is what they incurred injuries. They said, oh, we are going to deny. And they started taking me that, you see, you're like that same evening, they took me and stripped me naked next to 
there are doing hospital there was an opening there but there are teen shakes there so I'm, I'm showing you that after a week i think the solian obviously subsided then there was cold i was told then because always the media would ask me even when i was brought why did i continue i said it's because of the scenario that took place where i was now told by the scene of the police security branch that they brought me to his office they were using newspapers you know clapping me not hardy but using was the, he wanted me to focus on him and he says but meaning you must say thank you i refused to do that and um so when people said why did i couldn't i said i continue because i expected them to say sorry and apologize to me for all the torture they did in 1988 but it did not happen mm. yeah but i think about detentions and police stations that's me but as i said i don't know who else was you know placed from one politician to another in the whole of Soweto. Mm. And and the the beauty. I'm going to go to the beauty of of having an icon like yourself. Your spirit mm. has been broken so many times, but the tenacity to remain standing for me is something that is just something else. How do you manage? To it's almost like you reincarnate. How do you um, manage? Look, as I said to you, I grew up with a question in mind. I I had my own way of doing things. I come from a family that would not have access to books and stuff, no ceiling, nothing. But what I did, I wanted to find out who was Fidel Castro. Why was he hated so much? I wanted to find out who was Muhammad Ali. Why a, a world champion would be put in prison for refusing to fight in Vietnam? Then I questioned all those things and I read books why the Native American Indians, the Geronimos in them. So I got a book like Bear My Heart, It Wounded Knee. So I read a lot of these things. Then I wanted to re read, I read the trial of Adolf Eichmann, what the Jews, what the Germans did, you know, Himmler, Rudolf Hess. I wanted to know the Battle of Isandwan. Of course, my grandfathers were involved in the Battle of Isandwan. Apollo Pumbuli, Jepechambuli, they all fell in the Battle of Isandwan. But that was the worst and the biggest defeat of the British in a foreign soil. So we are the descendants of those heroes that fought at the Battle of Isandwan. Now, I, I had always, fortunately, I, I again, I, was, I wanted to read what was contained in the church history what was hidden what, what which are these other verses that were never exposed to the public but i was a fan of the old testament because there was equal you know there were fights i, I realized that for every goliath there will be a, a david so there, there were wars and you know so i i thought i at some stage i have a poem i'm sure some of you let quote that if uh, the god of the poor and oppressed could you know Punish, you know, could punish people in Babylon, Sodom and Gomorrah and leave out the Pretoria regime, then that God will actually have to apologize to those people because why leave the Pretoria regime? So, uh, and uh, I, I, I wrote a poem, why deal with, why deal with give chase to lizards when crocodiles are against you? I thought when they will come to me in my cell, 10 or 15 of them, and begin to beat me up, and I would look at them and say, but I'm alone and I'm handcuffed. I mean, they should be dealing with other people. And I would always, maybe why I continue this, because there were other poets better in this country. Uh, there were others were in exile. Mongan is wrote a there are a number of them. And, but I kept on asking me, as with my question, why me? What is it that I was saying? Because they kept on saying, uh, this guy, who writes for you? 
There was no one writing for me. Who's behind you? There was no one behind me. So then I realized it means what I'm doing, what I'm writing is authentic because these people keep on thinking or undermining me. That it means I'm not capable of writing what I write. The people will say I write what I like. So then I would listen to other poets. Let me give you one example of the Tosa poets, not 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 Sondonga, who you know those the thrill of death. Uh, you talk of uh, the the the. The, the people who died in the British English Channel. Um, but I'm talking about the poets. I wanted to listen to what other poets were saying. Why were they not harassed like me? My home was hit with grenades. I was shot at. What, why, why these other poets? Why me and not others? They will say, yo, Joachim, yo, yo, yo. They played poetry for me. They were using a tape recorder. Then they will be playing those things saying it's like they are not saying anything then these people are just screaming there's no threat to the state but they will play my poet and say what do you mean by this one so they will they would even say i'm responsible for the youth who are involved in violence because of your poet and i'll say take me to court mm. let them come and testify that i'm the reason why there's violence in the country so there was that and then again i they wanted to I what nationality? Because I'm Zulu, it was a, I had some stage path. I thought maybe when I'm detained, I was either supposed to change my tribe and say I'm Zulu or something. Because as soon as I say I'm Zulu, it's like ah, I've just insulted these guys. And where do I come from? Deep so way to another problem. Because deep so way to ended up being referred to as Beirut. And they would say people believe in you. So yeah, so I'm just showing you. It was tough for us. It was tough for me. And I've gone through the West, and at the end of the day, every day, weekly, week in, week out, people will say, you should be there. You should be compensated. Why are you not going? Why? So it, it's a situation where I ended up thinking, it's like our freedom is not free. If I had not, I did not participate in the liberation struggle. Uh, maybe my conscience would be different compared to a person who was a coward or traitor. Mm -hmm. But I did not you know, betray the revolution. And look at what we have today, the outcome. Yeah. Is this freedom? Is this Uhuru? I don't know. So... There are two quotes that are quite outstanding. The one from, I think, uh, your work in 2003. Open quote, mm. it says, open quote, the biggest mm. human quality is to become unstoppable. I am unstoppable. That was in 2003. Then there's yes. another one from 2010. Open quote, we dare not forget lest we become a nation that does not only not know its roots but where it's going that was 2010 and it it almost sums up like what you're saying that we we i think as as as, as a black nation we tend to forget the essence the important aspects of either certain individuals that were contributors to what we are today because sometimes we just choose to forget until it is our yeah until it is our turn when we've done something pivotal to someone's existence and we are forgotten as well then that's when we start now talking and you know it, it's, it's quite interesting maybe i'm a, I'm a threat I, I remained i was a threat under apartheid i i a threat in a democracy to this day a threat if you say it's 30 years in south africa you talk of what is called presidential awards, to this day, the government of this country has never honored Mzokimbudi. 
How, how is that? How is that? Big I'm, I'm saying any, anybody could have done that deliberately and say, uh, instead, what is happening now, Peter? I'm being recruited by political parties because it's the year of elections. Now, Mzwake, we are shallow. I'm being recruited. It happened five years ago, but it's worse this year. They know themselves. So I'm, I'm showing you that oh, suddenly I'm relevant. Suddenly people need me. Mm. Sure. I've got a yeah. caller, um, Sitrelo from Rebeja. Good evening. Welcome to the show. Good evening. Good evening, May. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, I'm going to apologize first to you. Uh, the emotions are not where they're supposed to be. The people's poets have taken me back. I was not a spectator. What he was talking about, I know it personally. When the yellow mellow by the van, the buggy of the police drives with you 60 kilometers per hour, 80 kilometers per hour, and dead stop, and pull off again, throws you side by side in the buggy. When you come out of that buggy, you are bloodied like anything. But I wanted to say to him, thank you very much. Thank you very much for giving up your youth, giving up yourself for the benefit of the country. When we went into the struggle, Bodnuzwake, you know, we did not expect any compensation. We went in for the love of the country. We saw the vision of South Africa, a free South Africa, a democratic South Africa, a prosperous South Africa. And we're not looking for compensation, but we wish, I wish this country can be right. I wish the politicians can understand what we went through. I wish when they see people in the robots and along the street being hobos, they can understand that 10% of those people are people that were psychologically affected by the struggle we went through. Yeah. They don't understand that these leaders, they don't relate to people that are homeless now, that are said to be psychologically sick. They don't relate. They don't relate to Mzwakembuli. They will be frustrated that why is he not speaking straight language or straight English? He can't. Because he's telling the story that he was part of. Yeah. Sister thank you so much for, for calling. I think, Sia, we're going to have to squeeze it in very, very quickly. Thank you, Sister Good evening and have a pleasant one. Sia, good evening. Welcome to the Chill Zone. Oh, thank you, guys. Um, look, uh, all I want to say is, you know, Umzuaki is speaking the absolute truth. Um, there's a lot of hidden agendas, um, specifically <clears throat> about the, you know, our political um, parties. Right. And I just want to also touch base on the fact that, you know, when he mentioned about the Amposa, but, you know, when he mentioned about the Posa um, guys that used to uh, chant. You know, chant at the time, thank you, chant at the time, um, it, 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 it kind of resonates that I don't want to be long and I don't want to dig deep into it, but you know, there's a saying that, you know, our, some of our political parties, some of our political leaders sold us out. And the way he mentioned it, it, it I'm not sure if maybe I got it wrong, but 
I think I understood exactly what he was saying. And what he's saying right now is something I think that society has lost. And the fact that we are sheep right now, we are just followers. Whoever's relevant, we just follow. And I appreciate him for not being that sheep by not following where political parties want him um, because of his, his struggles. I mean, he went through hell. Mm. Oh, I've just lost Sia. Um, I think let's go to the news when we come back. I think we're going to come back on the other side. I'll just have to squeeze in another five minutes. Uh, Ramzwaki, if you can just hold on for me. I just have like three, four okay. minutes for news and then we'll continue another five minutes That's before we, we close That's our fine. conversation. Greg is on That's standby fine. and it's just gone after nine. You are listening to The Chill Zone with Bertha Charuma. And of course, we just had to stretch um, our segment just a little bit uh, more, just a few more minutes, like five minutes or so. And the spotlight is on Mzwake Mbuli, the people's poet, uh, the legendary Mzwake Mbuli. And I just like, you know, when we, we, we ought to celebrate, you know, people that we consider icons whilst they were they are living i honestly have a challenge when it comes to celebrating someone when, when they've passed on when they're alive we have a tendency we don't even care we don't know where they are we don't know what you know if they are okay if they have food on their table but the day they die oh boy we put on our sunday best head to toe hats and all gloves and all nice shoes the whole works I call it your number one. And we pitch to the funeral service. And we want to speak at the podium. That is just not the right way to do things. And I honestly feel we ought to change the way we do things. But anyway, coming back to our conversation. Um, Abutim Zwaki, are you back? Hi. Yes. Um, I I think I had a caller. I think we've just lost that caller. But... I would like to find out from where you are standing in wrapping up our conversation. Number one, what defines Mzwake? Number two, how would you like to be remembered? I, I, I think, uh, well, I'm, I think I want to say that uh, I'm a fearless person and I have a resilient attitude. But I think... I, I think this will assist people to understand why under party, because one was fighting within the bill of the beast. I thought I was not concerned about people who were going to be hurt by my, you know, truth in my poetry or songs. Um, I was more concerned about those who be misled when I don't tell the truth. I want to say it very clear. I did not care about what people say, sellouts, the, the police, the government was officially declared, declared the enemy of the state. I did not care about those. I was more concerned about the people who were going to be misled when I don't tell the truth through my poetry. So I will always be remembered like that. That it, I, I'm this one person who was fearless, a person who would not tap dance around the truth. And uh, that is why at some stage I said, God sustains I'm unsinkable. So I have um, my role. It, it's it's it, I've, the role I've played. I would go to the cemetery and disappoint the grave because my legacy can never be buried 
and I will live forever. My songs and my music, my poetry, my messages will live forever. Yeah. Well, nine minutes after nine, this is The Chill Zone and the legendary um, Mzwakembuli, the people's poet. We've just been chatting to him. I wish I had more time uh, to really unpack because there is a whole lot more that we have not even uh, touched on. But thank you so much for making time and chatting to us this evening. And uh, may that tough spirit keeps living on. It's a pleasure, Wand. Thank you so much and have yourself a pleasant evening. And bye-bye for now. Same to you. We take a break. We'll be back.